news, views, and interviews. This is CAA On Air. Hello, and welcome to CAA On Air, the podcast from the UK Civil Aviation Authority. I'm Nathan Lovett from the CAA's communications team, and this is the first in a series of three episodes where we'll be looking at how drones could be used to support future ways of working, specifically in the NHS for the trials that we're going to be discussing. I'm joined by Ollie Turner, also from our communications team. He works closely with the CAA's innovation team, which helps support the type of work that we're going to be hearing about. So hi, Ollie. Welcome. Can we start, please, by you telling us a little bit about your role? Thanks, Nathan. Uh, yeah, as I say, I'm Ollie Turner. I'm one of our innovation leads from the communications department here at the UK Civil Aviation Authority. My role really involves working as sort of a liaison point between both the industry as well as our fairly new innovation team within the Civil Aviation Authority and then our wider comms team. So I've worked on a lot of the sort of technology behind this, whether that's beyond visual line of sight flying and how we unlock that right through to other projects such as drone taxis, etc. What I'm really looking forward to hearing more about is the background to the Future Flight Challenge today and how this tech that I'm quite well aware of has actually been put to practical use. So really, really appreciate the time that you guys from UKRI are giving us today. Thanks, Ollie. So, so as I mentioned, this is going to be a three-part series, and in parts two and three, we'll be drilling into two recently completed trials that have looked at how drones can be used for deliveries. But for this first episode, we wanted to look at the framework that is helping these projects get up and running. There's a piece of work that we're going to be finding out more about that's looking at developing greener ways to fly, including all electric aircraft and deliveries by drone. So I'm very pleased to say, as Ollie mentioned, we're joined by Simon Masters and Dawn McGregor from UKRI, which is UK Research and Innovation. So a big thank you to both of you and welcome. I think a good place to start, really, Simon and Dawn, is for you to sort of introduce UKRI, what it is as an organization, and, and particularly the piece of work which we're going to focus on right now, which is the Future Flight Challenge, as Ollie mentioned. So what can you tell us, first of all, about UKRI, but also the Future Flight Challenge and, and what it's looking to achieve? Hi, Nathan. Thanks. UK Research and Innovation is the largest public funder of research and innovation in the UK uh, with a budget of over £8 billion. We're comprised of seven disciplinary research councils, Innovate UK and Research England. Now, we operate across the whole country and work with uh, many partners in higher education, research organisations, business, government and charities. Now, the, the Future Flights Challenge that Simon and I are involved with is a £300 million programme, £125 million um, investment from government, which is matched by £175 million investment from industry. Um, so, the challenge was set up in 2019 as part of the Industrial Strategy Challenge Fund. And um, we're aiming to position the UK as a world leader in aviation products and markets. We're set up in uh, three phases. So we're, we're currently in uh, phase two. Um, so we invested, Simon, I believe you'll correct me if I'm wrong on this. We invested uh, £35 million pounds, uh, last year into 48 research projects. And we'll talk about a couple of those uh, a bit later on today. Um, Simon, is there anything you'd like to add? Thanks, Dawn. Uh, I think what makes the Future Flight Challenge so exciting is that we are at the, the forefront of a new revolution in, in aviation and, and what many are calling the third revolution of aviation. Uh, and what that what that's starting to look like is new classes of, of vehicles, so electric or hydrogen-powered uh, and autonomous vehicles that will really challenge uh, and transform how we connect people, how we deliver goods, and how we provide services. And I think what we're trying to do in this challenge is, is really speed up the, the acceptance 
uh, and the utilization of these new in, uh, vehicles into service. Uh, that has to be done safely uh, and it has to be done in a practical manner. Uh, and we're doing that by encouraging different different businesses from across a wide range of industry sectors to really come together and to share their knowledge and expertise and work together uh, to help uh, the UK become uh, at the forefront of this new revolution. It sounds really interesting and um, a very sort of broad scope as well. What can you tell us about the timescales that you're working towards? So the Future Flight Challenge was launched in 2019, uh, and it will run until uh, spring uh, of 2024. Yeah, so it, as we've mentioned, it was it started in three phases. So in 2019 and kind of 2020, we were looking at concepts, so concept development, uh, refining the grand challenges, um, and starting to build a consortia that are really what makes this challenge special. 2020 to 2022, we'll see where we are now. We're in phase two, so we're in the, kind of the development phase. So we're looking at the full development of multiple competing aviation system concepts. And next year, we'll be moving into to kind of phase three, which is where we're really kind of getting into the, the demonstration phase, um, looking at realization and demonstration of aviation systems with real use cases, and also fully integrated demonstration of multiple vehicle classes in live airspace. Um, and bringing the CAA on board with the Future Flight Challenge has been really helpful in helping some of our projects actually really progress through kind of some of these stages to, you know, the CAA have granted permissions for some of our projects um, to, you know, fly beyond visual line of sight um, within temporary danger areas. Um, and it's only with the support of the CAA that the projects we're funding are actually able to really start making headway in this space. You mentioned um, just, just there the beyond visual line of sight piece, and I know that there are several UK firsts that have come out of the work that you're doing. Can you talk us through maybe some of the ones that are key sort of standouts for you, please? Yeah, so I think that there are several that kind of spring to mind. So overall, we, we kind of had 14 projects uh, kind of specifically in our COVID-19 challenge. And, and from those 14 projects, we came out with 12 kind of UK firsts. I'm really excited by um, our, one of our projects carried out the first shorter ship medical delivery of COVID-19 test kits. We currently have a project that has the, the longest flight so far by a parcel delivery drone in the UK. And we will also have a project that's actually carrying chemotherapy drugs. So there's massive, massive advances for the healthcare um, system and the potential for, for benefiting the public here is, is absolutely massive. And I think that's really exciting. Thanks, Don. That, that's really interesting. Um, Listeners may not be aware, but our innovation team was actually set up back in April 2019. So these projects are really running quite, they're running together in a very useful way. So I just wanted to turn our attention to the more practical side of the challenge, um, particularly on, as, as we've mentioned, the use of drones to support the NHS's response to COVID-19. I'd be interested to know about more about how the projects work so far. So could I ask about some of the use cases that have been selected? Obviously, our mini-series We'll be touching on some of the work achieved by drone prep and also an organization called Skyports in some detail. But you mentioned there were obviously, I think it was 14 other organizations that you guys have been working with at UKRI as part of the Future Flight Challenge. But so there's obviously been a lot of interest in working with yourselves and the NHS as you'd expect. So how did you manage the bid process for organizations that wanted to be part of the challenge? And how has that funding been allocated sort of in practical terms? So the, uh, the, the 14 uh, COVID-19 drone projects uh, were actually followed a slightly different process to, to what we've done from the, the rest of the Future Flight Programme. And back in, in, in April last year, 
when we were first, I suppose, becoming very aware of the dangers posed by COVID-19, and obviously there was the, the emerging uh, government response, it became very clear to us that the industry actually had a great deal of potential to help support these key frontline services. Through a number of discussions with, uh, with industry groups and specific companies, we realized there was something we could do to help the government response overall. So we launched a, a round of uh, funding, which was specifically looking at how drones could support the COVID-19 response. And we did this using an overall UKRI COVID-19 funding mechanism that was in place. And we put some of our future flight money into that so that we could directly fund these projects. We had quite a few applications and the 14 we ended up funding were the best, uh, the most relevant uh, ones that met the criteria we were looking at. And we really set out to sort of challenge those organizations to demonstrate how they could use drones to support the pandemic response. So we didn't state specifically uh, supporting the NHS, um, but that is where a lot of the focus uh, went for some of these companies. Uh, and I say we were, we were absolutely delighted uh, with the response, the enthusiasm, and really the, the, the kind of motivation of these organizations to help and to carry out this vital work in what was, let's not forget, quite challenging times for them as organizations. Obviously, a lot of them were restricted in how they could work, how they could actually access their facilities, how they could work with their, with their supply chains, and dealing with all of the other issues that you know, the, the nation was facing last summer. So it's a real testament to their and motivation uh, to be able to come through and deliver these projects in, in what were very challenging times. That's really interesting. I I know that our innovation team within the Civil Aviation Authority has found actually the last couple of years have been, well, they, 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 were, they set up in April 2019, as I mentioned, and the, the period throughout the pandemic has been very challenging for all of us across the aviation industry. Um, and, and the innovation team Obviously, there's been a lot of challenges, but I think we've seen that there's been a lot of opportunities. So I guess what I'm saying is the, f- the future flight challenge has really almost come at the right time to be able to help the UK with dealing with this really challenging and awful pandemic. Absolutely. It's been a great opportunity for these drone operators to demonstrate uh, how this technology can support uh, can support society, can support the NHS and other, other key frontline services. And as you rightly say, None of this would have been possible without the support of the, the CAA innovation team and the other regulatory experts who worked very hard to make sure that what the projects were hoping to deliver was actually achievable and achievable in a, in a safe manner. We've touched a little bit already on some of the highlights and some of the challenges as well that worked so far. But before we get into an overview of the two trials that we're going to be featuring in this series, I just wanted to find out a little bit more what stood out to both of you in terms of the work that you've been funding so far. We'll break that into three points. Can we start, please, with anything that stands out to you in terms of key learnings, what the real takeaways have been so far in, in, in terms of the work across these 14 projects and what they've achieved? I think uh, what stood out for me uh, was when, when I first started on the, fu- the Future Flight team, there was an assumption that uh, the use of drones would be, would be heavily focused on delivery for sort of large and well-known <laughs> delivery companies and you know, delivering packages to people's homes. You know, that, that seemed to be what people were talking about. And what's really transpired, and partly because of the of the, the pandemic, has been actually the use of drones has really been looked at in a different way. And there's a much wider uh, sort of set of use cases that have really been embraced by drone operators and by public sector organizations. So the, the tremendous appetite and enthusiasm from the NHS to use drones, 
to all sorts of other applications, offshore wind farms, as Dawn mentioned, flying uh, COVID-19 test kits onto ships so that ships didn't actually have to come into harbour and potentially you know, lead to further COVID cases. They could have deliveries made to them uh, whilst they were still offshore. You know, lots of areas where we hadn't really thought that's where the direction the industry would go in, but we were obviously delighted uh, to be able to support those ambitions. From my side, it's been the the collaboration that have happened within all of these projects. Really, you know, we're, I I didn't think really at the start that you'd we'd be having consortia with small, tiny companies that are startups linking up with big multinational organisations. But that's what's happened, and it's been absolutely brilliant to see these two massively different sized companies learning together and working together. And I just think that's so positive for for UK industry as a whole. Thank you. And moving on to the challenges now, I mean, we've touched on the challenges of having to do a lot of this work during the pandemic, which presents its own challenges. But then alongside that is the fact that we're dealing with innovation here and we're going into areas that in a lot of cases haven't been done before. So again, any takeaways from either of you around what stands out as key challenges so far and how those have been overcome? I think initially, one of the key challenges was trying to balance the the ambition of the companies we're working with, with the, the realities of what's possible, and indeed what is able to be approved and delivered by the regulatory bodies, um, mostly with the CAA, but some other regulators were involved as well. And there was a question about how we could be positive and encouraging of these companies, but without overstating you know, what is possible and, and perhaps for regulatory bodies not to feel that they were being sort of forced to, to consider ever more unsustainable or, or impossible use cases. So there was a real sense. And, and because of the timescales we were doing this in, we perhaps had to do things a bit quicker than, than is normal. And, and that brings its own pressure in terms of how do you maintain uh, you know, safety above all, um, but how do, you, how do you achieve things within, within that sort of limited timeframe? A lot of this, as we mentioned, is looking at future ways of working, a future system for aviation. As we move into those areas and, and this work starts taking shape and trials finish. Is there anything particularly that stood out to you and surprised you, you know, things that you weren't expecting? I think, again, sort of building on my, on my, my previous point about deliveries of, of sort of, you know, household items and, and, and books and, and what have you in what we had thought would be sort of, you know, fairly densely built up urban areas. Um, actually, what's happened is that the, the real push has come from the more remote communities of the UK, and it, it, it's highlighted in some ways, the challenges those communities face with, with transportation and, and, and connectivity. But it's, it's shown how drones are delivering items of mail, for example, but also COVID test kits and other, other medical products is actually been hugely important. And actually, there's a real focus on, on how drones and other forms of, of flying vehicles can support those more remote communities in the UK and, and really bring benefits to areas where we, you know, the, the transport networks aren't quite as established as they are in, in large cities. Simon, you mentioned earlier that we've been doing things quicker than normal. I think both the Civil Aviation Authority and the UKRI's work in this area was initially designed to get the UK ready for the future of aviation. Would you say you've been surprised at how quickly innovators have been able to turn products around and actually get things ready and working um, to assist with the pandemic uh, response? Yes. I mean, as, as Dawn said, you know, the, the program is in a number of phases and these COVID-19 drone projects were actually uh, an, an additional package of work that we, we sort of added to the existing structure of, of our program and ran those much more, much more rapidly. So we have actually achieved a lot but actually earlier than we, than we thought. And that's great because it means that as we challenge these companies to, to sort of push, push their boundaries ever further, it means hopefully they'll be able to you know, deliver more uh, in the later parts of our program, you know, having had these earlier successes. 
I think this has been a really interesting chat so far today, and hopefully it's whet everyone's appetites ahead of the next two episodes, which are more of a deep dive into some of the UK's most innovative companies. The first one we'll be picking up is drone prep um, and the work they've been doing in Philly Isles using autonomous drones to carry vital supplies such as PPE and COVID-19 testing kits uh, to some of the UK's more remote areas. So this is one of the projects, I should say, that was directly funded by the Future Flight Challenge. So it'll be fascinating to hear in the future episodes how it's been from the other side of the project. But for today's conversation, I'd be really interested to hear how yourself, Dawn and Simon, how you felt the drone prep project uh, first, and then we'll move on to also Skyports. Sure. So the drone prep or Cornish Airbridge project um, was was one of the the more visible uh, success stories from our COVID-19 14 projects. They achieved some some firsts, as, as Dawn mentioned, uh, which was absolutely fantastic. I think one of the interesting points from our side was actually, in some ways, the project's success was more about the, the way they worked with various stakeholders than about the technology themselves. They used two drones, one from Windracers, which was a larger drone that they used to fly from Cornwall to the Isles of Scilly, carrying up to sort of uh, 70 to 100 kilograms worth of payload, so mail and other key items to the Isles of Scilly. And they used a smaller drone uh, operated by Skyports to fly around uh, the various islands in the Isles of Scilly and the smaller drones, giving them the, the capacity to land in, in, in much more uh, sort of narrow confines and to be able to deliver uh, packages more locally. That's all great. The, the key thing that they'd had to do, though, was actually to start looking at landowners, about getting permission for where they could land, about obviously a lot of work with the Civil Aviation Authority to get permissions to fly the aircraft from Cornwall to the Isles of Scilly, obviously beyond visual line of sight and unflown autonomously over quite a, a lengthy distance. The other thing they worked on, which was absolutely fantastic, was they were very much looking at being able to deliver the COVID-19 uh, vaccines. So the AstraZeneca and Moderna vaccines they'd looked at as being candidates to be flown in the drone and to be delivered to the Isles of Scilly. And that actually required them to work not just with the CAA, but with a whole bunch of other organisations. So the MHRA, uh, the, the regulator for, for medicines and healthcare in the UK, all the way through to talking to the vaccine task force and, and trying to really understand how they could add value to the UK's vaccine rollout. Again, not something that we'd ever really uh, envisaged that our projects would be involved in, but actually really working in a, the most important areas in, in terms of the pandemic response and the delivery of vaccines. And whilst they didn't ultimately be called upon to, to deliver those vaccines, they very they achieved the sort of permissions necessary to be able to fly those vaccines by drone, which is a, a fantastic achievement and really demonstrates how they were able to work kind of outside of their initial consortium and, and really engage with a much wider group of, of organizations. I think that was really important to the success of, of this project is that they what they started out with and the, the number of companies that they had involved, they managed to bring people on board as the project went along. Um, you know, so they brought on board Royal Mail, they brought on board the NHS to to deliver something at the end that was absolutely fantastic. The GPs, medics on on the Isles of Scilly were talking about the benefits of, of being able to receive antibiotics within hours instead of days. The real benefits to the patients on, on the Isles of Scilly, not just from receiving, you know, kind of day-to-day parcels from Amazon, but that ability to suddenly now be able to get, you know, your antibiotics, emergency medicine within hours instead of days is so, so important. And I think that is a massive success for the project and, and actually setting out how drone delivery could work across, you know, remote communities, rural areas, but across the whole of the UK. 
when you hear drone deliveries, I think a lot of people might think of their fast food being delivered or a parcel being delivered they've ordered online rather than actually the, the, there is a much wider usage for these these sort of technologies. So that's really interesting. And it's interesting to see how these practical examples have already come to life in assisting the NHS. Moving on to Skyport, so we'll also be speaking to them within this sort of mini-series that we're putting together. They've been working on the infrastructure required to implement end-to-end drone delivery systems. And while Skyports have been part of the Future Flight Challenge, we're mixing things up a bit and we'll be speaking to them about some of their work with NHS Scotland during the pandemic, which was actually funded by the UK Space Agency, separate from the Future Flight Challenge. Um, the Skyport project has similarly allowed revolutionary drone transport of supplies by using mobile connectivity and also space-based technology, hence the funding from the UKSA. Although this project wasn't directly funded by the Future Flight Challenge, I know you guys have worked a lot with Skyports on other projects, and I'd also be keen to hear about any sort of learnings you've had, both separately from the NHS Scotland work, but also from the project we'll be discussing with them. Yeah, so uh, as, as you say, Skyports have, have been working uh, with the UK Space Agency and NHS Scotland on their project. Um, and I think that, that that's really exciting. It gives further credence to the, the usefulness of, of, of drones to supporting the NHS, um, and another great example of how that could be done. And I think what that project has helped to do has really kind of helped to move the conversation on um, even further. So, you know, the, the more successes, the more demonstrations we have with the NHS, the more that that becomes apparent to uh, to the sort of senior leadership teams that actually the use of drones is something that can be used practically um, by the NHS. And it means that we've been able to have very productive conversations with them about how we can turn these sorts of demonstrations and, and, and sort of early sort of prototype use of drones actually more towards an actual service that might be able to serve the NHS in the future. We're into really exciting times and I just look forward to seeing how these Tests and trials that have been part of the Future Flight Challenge are, are going to become a safe and integrated part of the UK's aviation landscape in the future. You're listening to CAA On Air. A lot of amazing and fascinating work completed already. I know, Dawn, you mentioned right at the beginning when we started uh, discussing this that you're in phase two now of the uh, Future Flight Challenge. So what are the next steps um, and milestones for the Future Flight Challenge? What's keeping you busy at the moment? Where do things go from here over the next 12 months and beyond? Yeah, busy is certainly certainly the right word. So obviously, we've got um, the phase two projects are still currently running, and most of them will be running through until early 2022. We're keeping tabs on on what's happening with them, and obviously looking to to share their achievements and and keep people up to date with what's happening from from them. Our phase three competition opened on the sixth of September. Sixty five million pounds worth of funding. Available projects will start obviously in 2022. There will be available uh, projects up to two years, have to be delivered by consortia. But what we, we really want is ambitious real world use cases, kind of for demonstrations of new aviation systems. You know, there's no requirement to have bid or been selected for one of the earlier stages of a future flight. You know, we're looking for new entrants to this to this competition. The only thing that we do ask is that you've got a great idea and you're looking to be flexible and, and willing to work with with these collaboration partners that we, we've got um, kind of going on. Simon, do you want to add anything? Yeah, so I think what what really what sets phase three apart from from our previous projects and our previous funding is we really want to to challenge uh, challenge companies, challenge innovators to take that next step from 
so developing perhaps individual technology pieces or, or, or enabling technologies actually towards something that can be a, a sort of integrated demonstration and, and really push that as far as we can to be able to you know, demonstrate how, how drones, how other forms of vehicles uh, that we're looking at can be operated in the future. Uh, so that might be working, you know, from the examples we talked about, might be working with logistics companies, might be working with, with the NHS as a p- potential end user. It might be for some of our uh, sort of hybrid electric uh, passenger aircraft. It might be working with, with airlines or, or airports and trying to work out how uh, these new types of vehicles can actually operate within the sort of wider UK aviation system. And I think that's that's really what we're hoping to see is that the level of enthusiasm we've seen so far really carries on and that, that some of these organisations start to work together a bit more for that kind of integrated aviation system. We're going to be including links to more information for people that want to get more detail about the work that UKRI is doing in the episode notes. So there'll be links there to more information where you can find out about them. Simon, any particular reports or information or resources that you want to highlight to people if they're interested in learning more about the Future Flight Challenge or the work that you're doing? Yes. So for anyone who wants to find out more uh, about the Future Flight Challenge, there's a number of uh, reports uh, that we've issued, uh, which is on our website. Uh, And to particularly highlight that we published our Future Flight Roadmap and Vision. And, And what that really sets out is how we see the industry looking in 2030, and details a number of use cases that we think are relevant within that timeframe, but also what we need to do by 2024 to achieve that. So there's a lot of great information on there. The team have done a fantastic job. They've worked with uh, consultants. They've worked with industry. Lots of people have have contributed to that, the, the CAA amongst them. And we're really proud to be able to share that now, to share our views, to share our vision, but also to use as a, as a, as a talking point. You know, People may have different views on this. And if they do, we'd very much encourage them to come and talk to us and to sort of really drive this discussion and keep the momentum going. A huge thank you to Simon and Dawn for joining us. And you can find out more about the Future Flight Challenge and the work that UKRI is doing by visiting ukri.org. That's ukri.org. Also, as we mentioned, look out for parts two and three of this series, where we'll be looking at two recent trials that have explored how drones can help support the NHS. And if you have any questions or suggestions for areas that you'd like us to cover in future podcasts, please get in touch with us by emailing onair at caa.co.uk. Thanks for listening, everyone, and see you next time. Thanks for listening. This is CAA On Air.